0: Welcome to A Word Fitly Spoken, a podcast about Jesus, His
1: Word, and our joy in following Him. I'm Amy Spreeman. And I'm Michelle Leslie. Amy, it is great to be back in the saddle with you, partner. After a <laughs> after a weekend away speaking at a women's conference, I had a great time and I met uh, lots of our loyal listeners. Shout out to our listeners out there!
0: Oh, I wish I could have met them too. Welcome back, Michelle. Oh, thank you. Women's conferences can be such a wonderful time of refreshing. And you know, people always ask us how uh, a word fitly spoken first got started. Just so happens, it was actually at a women's conference, probably much like the one you were at uh, this weekend, Michelle. Um, Harken back, Michelle, four years. I can't believe it's been four <laughs> years. But uh, we yeah. got to meet each other for the very first time uh, in person. We had known each other for many years. I can't remember how many, but um, but we got to see each other and give each other a hug in person at uh, Princeton Bible Church in Princeton, Illinois. Uh, such a fantastic, wonderful body of believers. And uh, I believe the conference was called uh, Reliance on God and His Word. It was a women's conference. It was all women. uh, But what was really cool, uh, one of my favorite memories was just the men uh, who were there. Now, they weren't there to be part of the conference or to learn from women. Not, No, no, no. Uh, But what they were there to do is serve. And so uh, made all the meals, served the ladies, took care of all the little details, uh, anything that uh, needed to be done at a women's conference, they did. And we were able to, uh, all of the women, and we were able to just kick back and enjoy. And then you and I got to teach. It was just such a beautiful time. I'll, I'll always treasure that.
1: Yeah, me too. And you know, because we had such a wonderful time and we've both seen the benefits of women's conferences, we wanted to talk about that a little bit tonight. Now, I want to be sure to to give a hat tip to my friend Pastor Alan Nelson. He and his co-host Pastor Eddie have a podcast called The Rural Church Podcast, which is really awesome even if you don't attend a rural church. I mean, you know, it's oh, kind I of do. like church. I'm going to have to listen. Do you? It's really <laughs> yeah. good. It's uh it's all about church and you know, Church is church, whether you go to a larger church or a smaller church or a church in town or a church that's more rural. But uh, anyway, they recently did an episode on local church conferences, which I thought was very helpful. And that's what inspired this episode. So thanks, Alan and Eddie. and And we'll put yes. a link to their episode in the show notes for you. I think I'm going to be
0: a new fan. Um, I've never listened to their podcast, but we have a rural <laughs> church, and um, I love, love, love that a lot of our uh, the men in our church are farmers, and uh, I learned so much from them. Yes, it's great. And uh, as Michelle mentioned, ladies, that episode that uh, she was just mentioning uh, was about local church conferences, which is mainly uh, what we're going to be talking about tonight. There are all sorts of national conferences like G3 and Founders, and even the Answers for Women conference hosted by Answers in Genesis. That's the one that um, I've had the honor of speaking at a few times, a wonderful one for ladies. And these conferences draw attendees from all over the country. But tonight, we're going to be talking about conferences that perhaps your church or even a local association of churches might want to host. Uh, Something that's on a a lower scale with a lower cost, and that mainly draws in women from uh, your church and the local area.
1: Right, Amy. You and I have both attended national and local conferences, and they're both fantastic in their own special ways. But we want to be able to give you some practical tips on hosting your own event and I don't know about you listeners, I don't think most of you are re- quite ready to tackle hosting a national event just yet. <laughs> I know I'm not. But, uh, you know, if you are, you get in touch with G3 or founders and, and ask them for some tips and maybe they'll be able to help you. <laughs> Amy, what do you think are some of the benefits of a church-hosted women's conference?
0: Well, like you mentioned, Michelle, just that local fellowship between sisters in Christ. um, It's probably common to assume that we are sisters from afar, like, you know, from different families. But actually, ladies, we are from the same family. And this really becomes evident when you pray together, worship God, sing together, eat together, and get to know each other's churches, backgrounds, and customs. Um, And it's not just during those conference sessions either, but the in between times that are so sweet when they're, you know, you, know, you can take part in activities or meals or even you know nighttime walks whatever it is just hanging out with women who love the Lord uh, you could also say that doing local church conferences is basically what we see in the Bible you think about Paul going on his missionary journeys you know with fellowship application of biblical principles uh, you're learning in church and encouragement refreshment networking with other you know churches that attend these things the list goes on and on and perhaps Perhaps these church-hosted conferences could lead to, who knows, partnerships in the future.
1: Yeah, those are really some great benefits that I've seen, you know, just as I speak at conferences and as I've attended conferences uh you know, sort of church level conferences in the past, mm-hmm. they can be really, really helpful and um, you know, reinforce what the pastor is trying to teach, you know, your church, or uh just like you said, refreshment, encouragement. And uh and I think you're right, you know, it is kind of what we see Paul doing in the New Testament as he travels around from church mm-hmm. to church. And he's sort of like the 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 conference speaker, you could, you could almost mm-hmm. say he's he's coming in and and uh you 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 know, of course, we know that he, that's not really what it was, but you could kind of see the similarities, (laughs) um, of him coming in and encouraging the local church and, and trying to help them where they need help and, and encourage them, uh, where they need encouragement, praise them where, where they, where praise is due and all of that. So yeah, I really agree with that. Now I have heard, uh, Christians raise a couple of concerns from time to time about conferences. Um, one of those concerns is stewardship, you know, especially when it comes to those national conferences. Even though the registration fee might be pretty reasonable, it can cost a pretty penny to take time off work, travel to the conference, and pay for meals and lodging. And local church women's conferences can be a great alternative to that or, or a great addition to the national conferences you're already um you're already attending but as far as as cost goes and stewardship goes you know these local church, women's church conferences they're often right in your city or maybe a nearby town which cuts down considerably on the cost of travel and meals and accommodations and time away from work and family I agree, Michelle. I mean, you
0: can just uh, go to, a, if if there's a church on the other side of town that's hosting a, a small uh, local conference, you can just buzz on over there. Even if you've got other things going on, you can come on in and uh maybe just for an afternoon session, if that's all you can do. And then just go home, be home with your family for dinner and come back for an evening session. They're so convenient and very cost effective. uh, And it's a great way to fellowship with other believers. Now, I, I do want to bring up this other co- uh, concern that some people have. It's sometimes raised um, by people who wonder if there isn't some idolatry going on of conference circuit celebrity pastors. Now, these are for the bigger uh, conferences that you hear of. And of course, you know, we, we all kind of love uh, Vody Bauckham and Steve Lawson and Justin Peters and our other favorite speakers who typically teach at doctrinally sound conferences. And sometimes heaven forbid people will kind of come away and compare their own dear home pastors unfavorably to these more famous brothers and see maybe their pastor is coming up short and I I hate to think that's happening but you know maybe they think well well your own pastor is not quite as dynamic as Vody or he doesn't focus on discernment as much as Justin I don't think this is an issue for too many Christians, but it can be a problem, so just something to look out for. But a local church women's conference doesn't foster that problematic issue, do they? For for one thing, you're not listening to a pastor, but a sister in Christ, so there's really no unfavorable comparison going on with your own pastor. And for another thing, if you're attending a doctrinally sound local church women's conference, a celebrity speaker isn't very much of an issue, uh, at least not in our circle Anyway, probably the most famous women speakers that I know of are Martha Peace and Susan Heck. They're good. And, uh, you know, as wonderful as we think they are, the average evangelical woman has probably never heard of them. And they don't garner the sort of celebrity worship that someone like a Beth Moore or a Priscilla Shire does.
1: Yeah, and I'm sure Susan and Martha are just fine with that, you know. But I wonder if maybe that lack of celebrity is largely because they and the women who follow them are doctrinally sound. Yeah. Sound doctrine isn't super popular with the masses, you know, but at any rate, at a local church women's conference, you're much more likely to have a local pastor's wife or someone who's not a so-called celebrity as a speaker. So there can potentially be some issues when it comes to conferences, especially, you know, maybe national conferences might have more of those issues. But I think that doctrinally sound local church conferences not only answer those issues, but the benefits far outweigh those potential issues. And now that you see those benefits and you're all excited about hosting a women's conference at your church, how exactly do you get started? Well, let's talk about some practicalities.
0: Oh, practicalities. Those are my favorite, Michelle. (laughs) You can't do anything as an outreach or ministry of your church, first of all, ladies, without your pastor's approval and without being under his authority. So if you want your church to host a women's conference, step one is going to be to talk to your pastor. And be sure to get your pastor's uh, elders or other leadership's approval every step of the way. Okay, when you talk to your pastor, express your interest in ministering to, encouraging and training the women of your church. Share your ideas, but then get his input too. Find out whether or not he thinks a conference is a good idea and why. And be sure to graciously abide by his decision if the answer is no. But if his answer is yes, ask him what he thinks the women of your church need most from a conference. Maybe he sees a need for them to learn about biblical womanhood or discernment or how to be better students of the Bible. The best women's conference your church could host is the one that comes alongside your pastor and helps him out by training the women of your church to be more godly and in turn
1: stronger and healthier church members. That's right. And you'll also want to make sure that you have a biblical outlook on stewardship and finances, because almost every aspect of your conference will involve either wisely spending money or wisely refraining from spending money. You don't want to be extravagant and wasteful, but you also don't want to create stress and discomfort by trying to cut corners either. So step two in hosting a conference is to consider your conference budget, because your budget will determine many of the larger aspects of your conference. And I know at this point, many of our listeners might be thinking, well, this is just going to be impossible. I go to a really small church, and and we can't afford to put on any sort of event. Listen, my husband is a retired minister of music, and he and I have served a lot of small churches, so I know where you're coming from. But I'm here to tell you, I have spoken at a lot of absolutely wonderful conferences hosted by small churches, so I know it can be done with excellence if you're not afraid to think creatively, work efficiently, and steward your finances wisely and biblically.
0: Mm, let's start with a
1: financial
0: principle that applies to um, anyone doing professional work for your church whether it's conference speakers or the band playing a concert at your youth event, to the plumber fixing the pipes in the bathroom, to the accountant who does your church's bookkeeping. Here it is. Ready? You must pay people who perform work for your church and you must pay them a fair wage or a fee in addition to their expenses such as traveling and lodging. It's only fair.
1: Yeah, it really is. Amy, you know, I've been so blessed that every host church I've ever spoken at has has completely understood this and has been so very generous with me. And I know you've experienced that kind of thing, too. But, you know, this is kind of hard to believe. There are a few Christians out there who expect anyone doing anything for their church to do it for free because it's, quote unquote, ministry. I mean, some of them even begrudge paying their pastor a salary this is not biblical. In fact, the Bible says just the opposite, and there's some really great passages you can study about this topic, um, like, for example, 1 Corinthians 9, 3 through 14, and Leviticus 19, 13, if you'd like to look those up later, listeners. But I'm going to read another great passage about this topic, 1 Timothy 5, 17 through 18. Here's what it says. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. Yeah, that's the one I
0: thought of too, Michelle. It often takes many hours of hard work to properly prepare for a speaking engagement. Uh, You know, in fact, um, I I remember uh, just spending months Pouring over uh, just the outlines and the content, um, but that, that also goes for people who um, you know do the concerts or what have you and don't even get me started on how much time pastors put into their jobs compared to the salaries that most of them earn. So the pre-event work as well as the event itself may take your event speaker away from her family or cause her to have to cancel other activities. She might even have to take time off from her regular job to speak at your event. What she's doing for you is work, and she deserves to be fairly compensated for it. This is one aspect of your event that you really can't cut corners on.
1: Yeah, and sometimes it's hard to know what what a fair wage is for the speaker that you're hiring. And of course, the specific amount will vary from speaker to speaker. So just be upfront and honest and ask her what her fee is, and then figure out whether or not that amount is feasible on your end, then, you know, again, be honest with her and let her know whether or not you can guarantee, not try to raise, not take up a love offering at the conference and hope for the best, but guarantee that amount. And if you can't, it is then up to the speaker to decide whether or not she can afford to work at your event. Being, you know, honest and transparent from the get go helps remove a lot of the awkwardness that comes with talking about money. Yeah. I know I always appreciate it. Me too, Michelle. It is awkward talking about money.
0: I don't know why in our culture that is, but um, <laughs> you know, we just we just need to get over that. Um, yeah. And we'll also need to think about travel and accommodations and other expenses for your speaker. For instance, is she going to dr- uh, drive or fly to your location, and how much is that? going to cost. So you might want to consider going local. If you can find an appropriate speaker who lives in or near your town, it's going to cut down on your travel and accommodation expenses for her. So, you know, though some speakers need to stay in a hotel for various reasons, whatever it is, others are perfectly willing to be fed and housed by church members, uh, which can cut your expenses considerably. Ask your speaker which she prefers and be ready to graciously provide either type of accommodation. Once you know the expenses for your speaker, it's going to be easier to estimate a budget to cover them and the rest of the expenditures. So sit down with your planning committee and perfectly... Uh, discuss the purchases you're going to need to make for food, you know, decorations, any other materials, and then come up with a reasonable budget for your particular venue. Use godly wisdom and exercise good stewardship.
1: Yeah, that's right, Amy. And listen, one thing you'll want to remember is this, don't try to compete with the expensive glitz, glam, and giveaways of mega conferences. You do you, your church or host organization. I've seen many churches go with a sort of simple elegance or home style or local charm level of theme and decor that has turned out mm-hmm. just perfectly lovely and welcoming. And look, you don't have to reinvent the wheel on this stuff. After every conference I speak at, I post a little sort of report back article about it on my blog with pictures and everything. I always try to get pictures of the decorations and, and the, uh, you know, all the, the swag and the programs and all of that kind of stuff. And for one thing, because I enjoy doing that, but for another thing so that I can post it and you can get some ideas if you would like to, uh, to, uh, get some ideas for your next event. So we'll put a link in the show notes to, uh, to those articles on my blog. And then you can just kind of scroll through and click through and grab some great ideas that other churches have used. Remember, it's the caring and the hospitality of the hosts that will make the greatest impact on your attendees, not the swanky food decorations and swag bags. Okay, Amy, let's give our listeners some tips for financing their conferences.
0: Yeah, I think we've got some good ones that really might help here. First, plan your event as far in advance as possible. Not only will this give you plenty of time to raise funds, uh, but some expenses, for example, airfare, plane tickets for your speaker, those go up as time goes by.
1: Yeah, they really do. Also, you know what? It's time to go talk to your pastor and elders again. Ask them if there's any money set aside in your church's budget for the women's ministry or special events. Find out whether or not you can use it and if there are any requirements for how it must or must not be spent.
0: Yeah, and remember that you're not in this alone. Put the word out to your whole church and ask for help. Make a sign-up sheet of the things you're going to need that people can donate or lend. For example, fresh flowers, if it's if you live in... Michelle's neck of the woods where it's uh, nice during the winter time. Uh, but you know from from your own garden you can do that for centerpieces. I, I know Michelle what we do is uh, we have uh, kind of a, a bin in our church of uh, really pretty uh, placemats and tablecloths and all sorts of things. The mm-hmm. ladies love gathering those things and they're so cute. And you know tablecloths paper plates um, or you know if everybody has like maybe a different China setting that uh, they don't mind mm-hmm. donating. We, we do that, too, at our church, and, and everyone is different and unique and kind of causes a wonderful little conversation point there at the tables. Um, small gift bag items, if you're into that, like pens and notepads, snack items, that kind of thing. You can even have some fun with it and throw a women's conference shower. Imagine that, a shower registering for the items that you need uh, at places like you know, Walmart or Target or other local stores in your area. And then you can invite the whole congregation to bring their gifts to the shower and uh, come fellowship together. And don't forget the money tree or some other receptacle for people who would rather just uh, give cash or a check to support all, all of these expenses.
1: Yeah. And you can also ask your pastor or elders about possibly taking up a love offering from your congregation for conference expenses. If your conference is far enough ahead in the future, you might be able to even take up two or three over, you know, a prolonged period of time. You could also consider a, a crown, a crowdfunding uh, campaign for event expenses like GoFundMe or GiveSendGo, hmm. which is one of several Christian fund, Crowdfunding sites, or you could set up a PayPal account specifically for donations for the event. One thing you will want to be careful of with crowdfunding, though, is that some Christians feel that it's biblically inappropriate to ask non Christians to donate to a Christian cause, and that's certainly understandable. But you'll need to find out where your church stands on that issue. You know, ask your pastor and your elders when you're deciding who to share the crowdfunding information with or whether or not to share it around on social media. So just watch for that.
0: Or instead of going high tech, you could go old school. You could have a good old fashioned fundraiser at church, such as a, a churchwide garage sale, a bake sale or a car wash. You could also consider partnering with uh, another doctrinally sound local church or two or three to co-host the event and split the expenses. That that can work beautifully. Uh, but just, of course, be sure to check out those churches' doctrines first. Uh, you can't biblically partner with churches that teach false doctrine, right? So, of course, check with your pastor or elders first before you do that.
1: Yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, also to recoup some of your expenses after the event. I mean, don't depend on these to cover expenses for this event, but to recoup some expenses and maybe set some money aside for your next event, you could consider selling tickets at a nominal price, uh, suggesting a voluntary donation amount or even pay what you can for tickets and or, you know, maybe even taking up a love offering at the event. Um, as far as tickets go, you know, most, most attendees could afford, say, a $5 ticket. And if you have a hundred attendees, that's $500 to start off next year's event budget. So that's, that's a good way of thinking about it. Uh, You could also offer the option of sponsoring tickets. People who want to support the conference, you know, even men or other church members who won't be attending, they could give enough money to cover a certain number of tickets, which could then be given away to women who would like to attend but can't afford to. And then, of course, you know, don't get, don't misunderstand me here. If you're, if you're offering a meal at your event, it's certainly fine to include the cost of the meal in the ticket price. That's only fair. Yeah. Well, those are some tips we hope will help you with your fundraising and show you that
0: it is possible even for a small church to host a women's conference uh, that your attendees are just going to love. But maybe your church has never done anything like this before, and you're wondering what kind of event you should have and how you should get started. So even at a small church, and sometimes especially at a small church, a woman's event can really help refresh and build up the ladies of your church. It can be a great outreach to the ladies of your community too. So Michelle, let's uh, help them get the ball rolling. What do you say?
1: Well, for a church that's never hosted an event before, I would recommend starting small and then growing year by year. For example, if I were in a church with an attendance of, you know, like 50 to 150, I would start with an in-house, you know, only ladies from your own church, an in-house mini conference uh, a Saturday morning simple breakfast like coffee, donuts, fruit, you know, food that's easy to get and serve and handle and follow that simple breakfast up with a local speaker. You know, maybe the the pastor's wife at a sister church or even one of the ladies in your own church and uh, a couple of songs after that. And you could end right there, or possibly have a time of discussion around the tables afterwards, or just allow the ladies to hang around and fellowship with each other. And then the next year, you could build on that, you know, maybe the speaker does two sessions with a break in between, and you invite and publicize to other local churches. And then the following year, Perhaps you could do an overnight retreat or you could expand the conference to an all-day kind of thing and have more than one speaker. If you start small and grow your event each year, you'll learn things that you should and shouldn't do differently along the way. And you won't be biting off more than you can chew the first time out.
0: Mm, Such great ideas, Michelle. I really like the idea of starting small. Um, And we do that at our small church too. Like I mentioned earlier, we're uh, pretty rural, but um, that doesn't mean that we can't get together and and, uh, boy, these ladies can cook too. I always end up gaining (laughs) about 10 pounds when I go to these things. But we we do usually a spring uh, breakfast and then we'll do a a wintertime one. We'll, We'll do one right before. Christmas, where we actually have a, a couple of uh, local charities, local uh, nonprofits that we help support, like a a local pregnancy uh, crisis center that we do. Um, you know, we make blankets for them. We uh, gather, do gift baskets. Some of us who aren't crafty will do some other things, but uh, we'll have a speaker and and it's just uh, such an incredible time. It's really joyful. So another thing that might be a, a good idea is to have a meeting with all the ladies of your church. Uh, ask them what kind of event they'd like. You you. You might be thinking women's conference and they might be thinking movie night, you know, so it's it's good to brainstorm and, and, and take the pulse of your ladies on what they'd prefer.
1: Yeah, that's right. And you could also, you know, we touched on this a little earlier about the Illinois conference we both spoke at. You could get the men of your church involved in putting together and serving at your conference or event. Um, besides that, that conference that we spoke at, I've spoken at a couple of conferences where the men of the church have actually put on the conference for their ladies to honor them and thank them. And those were some happy ladies. <laughs> oh, I
0: bet they were, Michelle. And that's how the conference was where we met, like you said. and And uh at
1: our church too whenever we have a
0: ladies breakfast or something it's so cool when the men come and serve us so we're seated right we, it's not a buffet line or anything and they will come and actually come to our table and get us the drinks and you know the coffees and milks and you know the, they'd put a, things on our plate and uh, I I was thrilled to see my husband come out in an apron they all had these great aprons that they <laughs> came out in so uh so much fun and uh, and so you know, it, it's just the little details like that, uh, so that the ladies can enjoy. So let's talk about a few more of the specifics of the event you might be thinking of. When you plan an event, you need a good planning committee to help you, you know, not just yes. you. You shouldn't have to burden, uh, have that, that, all, that burden on your shoulders. You, you need people who are reliable, hard workers, able to meet deadlines, attentive to details, and uh, who return phone calls and texts and emails promptly. That, that's always good to have. Um, but yeah. you, you'll also want to identify people's talents and put them to use. So, if you're going to have, you know, decorations, get someone who's talented at decorating. Um, if music is on the program, find someone who's really skilled in leading the singing. And it's also really helpful to have someone on your committee with a keen eye for even, you know, just the tiniest details. And uh, speaking of little, I mean, what what are they? What are the small details that you might not even think of? Well, there's a lot of them. Uh, in order to put on a polished event, for example, if attendees need to write their own names on their name tags, well, you need to provide pens and uh, ample table space for them to do so. You don't want them standing up and peeling off stickers and uh, trying to pencil in something on their name and stuff all over the floor, have a little wastebasket there. Are there plenty of paper towels in the ladies' room? Well, maybe you're speaker needs a little bottle of water, things like that, just tiniest things that make a huge difference. You might also want to put one of those uh, detail-attentive people in charge of the larger technological aspects and physical plant items, too. You're going to need things like microphones, people to run maybe a soundboard, and someone to assist the speaker with her PowerPoint slides. That's always big. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've come to a conference and wanted to plug in somewhere, and I've just been so blessed by people who say, oh, I've got just the cord you need. So it's just a wonderful thing. So, who's going to lock and unlock the building before and after the conference? That kind of thing. Will your speaker stand at the pulpit or will she need some other sort of lectern? You know, some churches aren't in a very good area of town. uh, So, maybe you're going to need to round up some guys to serve as a security team. So, when you're planning a conference, of course, there's a lot of little details that you don't want slipping through the cracks.
1: That's right. And naturally, one of the details you'll you'll have nailed down early on is the topic or topics that the, the speaker will teach. Yes. But what about some other aspects of the content of your conference? Several conferences I've spoken at have built into the conference schedule small group discussion time and or unstructured fellowship time for the attendees. And it really seemed like the ladies really enjoyed these times of, of sharpening and interacting with each other. Uh, one conference I spoke at included a craft time for attendees. The, the planners handled it very well, keeping the craft simple with all the materials pre-cut and laid out at each seat at the table and allowing ample time to complete the project. So that might be something you would want to do that is neat it, i i went to one last year where uh i was the speaker
0: and they had all sorts of food activities you know i'm all about the food right and so they had um <laughs> it was summertime and they had a, a like a little uh um contained campfire one of those little campfire mm. um oh, what do you call those things um not a barbecue but you know what i'm talking about the thing in the center yeah. and they had all these uh, um, chiminea yeah yeah and they had all these barbecue uh forks and then they had these recipe cards where you could make um specialty s'mores you know uh the mint ones the you know chocolate peanut butter one it was so much fun I, i'd never seen fun that stuff. before so yeah so uh, so if your church has some outreach or parachurch ministries, consider setting up ministry tables in the lobby or fellowship hall. Some of your at- uh, attendees might like to sign their kids up for uh, something at your church, maybe upward basketball or vacation Bible school. Maybe your church is involved with a crisis pregnancy center or a ministry to the homeless, things like that. Give your attendees an opportunity to give back or get involved. And then that way you can bring uh, these folks in, you you know, the nonprofits into your building, and uh, they can be there to talk about their ministries. Your attendees might also find a book table to be helpful. Uh, I know I have. I love, I'm love. i all about the books. Uh, and if you're offering any books or materials authored by someone besides your speaker, just make sure they're doctrinally sound, uh, of course. So you're also going to want to make it abundantly clear to everyone whether the books are free or for sale. So many conferences offer free books these days that some people just assume that all the books they see sitting out are free. We don't want to assume that. So if you're selling them rather than giving them away, you want to clearly label the price of each book and make sure someone is there to uh, man the book table during each break. Now, some conferences hold drawings for door prizes, which is a lot of fun. Uh, We talked earlier about how you can ask church members to donate items for the conference. This is another item that can be donated. One thing you're going to want to keep in mind is that if you're going to give away something like a gift certificate to a local business or restaurant, some of your attendees may be from out of town and they might, not be able to redeem those uh, those gift cards, so uh, just kind of be aware of of who your audience is.
1: Yeah, those are fun though those those door prizes and drawings yeah. and stuff. They they just add a little excitement to the the <laughs> conference or whatever. Well, most conferences open up each session with a few congregational worship songs. So make sure the songs are from doctrinally sound sources. No Bethel, Hillsong, Elevation, Phil Wickham, none of that kind of stuff um make sure you've the women that you've asked to lead are skilled musicians and that they're spiritually mature and doctrinally sound especially if they're going to say anything between songs. Uh, if if you don't have any women in your church who are capable of leading or willing to lead the music, it's perfectly okay to ask your minister of music to do it instead. And I would also encourage you to ask your pastor and elders if they would like to be involved in the conference program in any way. Uh, I recently spoke at a conference where the pastor gave the welcome and the opening prayer each day of, of the women's conference. And I really like that you know sometimes it can it can seem like pastors regard the women's ministry of the church with with a hands-off attitude of oh let the let the women go over there and do their little thing and so i felt like mm-hmm. this small gesture of, of the pastor opening the conference each day in prayer and and with you know welcoming and everything i felt like that demonstrated that the pastor really cared about this event and the women who organized it and the women in attendance and it also demonstrated that this event was under the authority of the pastor that he knew about and approved of of what was going on at this event, and that the women's ministry of his church wasn't just some autonomous entity, but that it operated under the authority of the pastors and elders. And of course, that's not to say that if your pastor yeah. doesn't you know, appear during the program that You know, it communicates that your women's ministry is just some rogue entity that's operating independently of the pastor or anything like that. I just thought, you know, it it kind of demonstrated that in that particular instance. So that might be something that you would want to ask your pastor
0: yeah uh, another decision you're going to want to make early on is whether your event will be an in-house event just for the ladies of your church or whether it will be open to women in the surrounding areas and as Michelle mentioned earlier when you're first starting out it's probably a good idea to keep things in-house you know like she said start small work out all the bugs with your church family who love you uh, before opening the door to people who uh, who don't know us as well uh, or if there's just a particular need for <laughs> The women of your church to draw close to one another. Uh, perhaps your church has, you know, maybe lost its pastor to tragedy or something has, uh, you know, happened to your church in another way and you just need time together. You know, maybe a retreat strictly for your own church family is in order, something like that. But if your church is able, uh, consider publicizing your event and inviting women from neighboring churches and surrounding areas uh, to come and join you. Start advertising early with kind of a, a save the date card. Does have to be fancy or expensive. um, And send out several more reminders or invitations. Uh, There's free email programs out there that you can use, social media announcements, uh, event things that you can create on Facebook. All of that, you know, just start out early leading up to the event. If you're concerned about space, you can always cap the seating uh, at a certain number of, and you could make it a a first-come, first-served event, too.
1: Right, and I agree, Amy. Just fling those church doors wide open if you can. There are a number of good reasons for doing this. First of all, there is such a dearth of doctrinally sound women's conferences and women's speakers that you want to show as many churches and Christian women as possible that they actually do exist. You know, it's not just the false teachers that get to have all the fun of putting on conferences and whatnot. We doctrinally sound women have conferences and speakers, too. We do exist. There are a lot of Christian women out there who feel like they're the only discerning or doctrinally sound person in their whole church. So give them some hope and, and an event where they can be encouraged by, by inviting other, you know, women from other churches in the surrounding areas to come. A second good reason for doing that, it introduces people in the yes. area to your church. You know, maybe a lady attends who has been looking for a good church and can't find one until she gets invited to your conference. Or maybe, you know, a sweet Presbyterian lady comes to the conference at your Baptist church, and she's got a Baptist cousin who's moving to town next month. Well, now she's got a good church she can recommend to her cousin. And another good reason to invite others is networking. And I'm seeing this more and more at the conferences I speak at and how helpful and important it is. Uh, You know, maybe you meet an attendee from the church down the street who shares your passion for abortion abolition, and the two of you can band together in ministry that way. Or maybe you have a lady that attends from an hour or two away where she has no doctrinally sound church in her town. Perhaps you could introduce her to your pastor and your your church maybe could eventually plant a new church in her town. You never know. Connecting with your sisters in Christ and, and other good churches is a great reason to invite others if you can. Well, I love
0: that. And Michelle, remember earlier when I, I I'm just, um, I'm salivating over here because I'm thinking back to what we said about those uh, s'mores. <laughs> this yeah. was the peanut butter chocolate was. So let's talk about food. Um, most conferences, even at small churches, provide some sort of food these days. Anything from, you know, a simple coffee bar all the way up to a full lunch or dinner. So you don't have to provide a meal on the premises if that's too much for your church to tackle. Uh, one way to avoid providing meals is to schedule your conference sessions around uh, mealtime. So for example, if your conference starts on a Friday night, you could start at 7 or 7.30 to give everyone time to eat supper before they arrive. If your conference starts Saturday morning, you could begin later in the morning or wrap things up by noon so the ladies can eat breakfast before they arrive or maybe grab uh, lunch after the conference is over. Sending people out to eat is another way to handle meal time. For example, if your conference runs all day on Saturday, you could schedule an ample break for lunch and direct your attendees to nearby restaurants.
1: Yeah. And if you are providing lunch or dinner for your conference attendees, I received some good-humored input from women around the country about women's events at their own churches that you might wish to take into consideration. First, consider what this lady said, and she was very representative of several ladies who said similar (laughs) things to this. She said, when we have a women's event, they feed us salads and finger sandwiches. And I always leave hungry. At the men's events, they get steak. I like steak too. <laughs>
0: <I love laughs> well, steak.
1: Yeah. Steak may not be the direction you want to go, but just keep in mind that salad isn't every woman's cup of tea, so to speak. And a light lunch at an all-day event may leave some of your attendees hungry, especially those pregnant ladies. Don't forget about <laughs> them. Yeah. So soups tea sandwiches and salads those are great options but consider providing something a little more substantial in addition such as sandwich rolls and lunch meat maybe a couple of frozen well cooked of course lasagnas uh, fried chicken anything like that uh and then next consider the type of food that you offer you may personally like beets chiffonade and a caviar reduction you know but many women <laughs> <laughs> exactly but Many women are not fond of fancy frou-frou gourmet dishes. So just keep it simple and try to offer something that most people are used to and generally like, such as the aforementioned lasagnas, fried chicken, whatever. Um, this was really helpful. At one conference I spoke at, many of the dishes were labeled as gluten-free or vegan or different hmm. things like that. So that can be very helpful for women with dietary restrictions or maybe, maybe if they have food allergies or things like that. Food can be a big part of a conference. So be sure to think things through and whichever way you choose to handle things, just be sure you do it with excellence. Yes. Uh, you're also going to want to make
0: sure that you tend to your speaker's needs during her stay and during the conference itself. So try to anticipate any needs your speaker might have. Um, you want to ask her at various points throughout her stay uh, and at the event if there's anything that she might need that, you know, you hadn't thought of. If your speaker's teaching sessions aren't back-to-back, try to offer her a quiet room for resting between sessions. Michelle, I appreciate that uh, so much during back-to-back sessions that uh, if there's a little time space in between, I can just go uh, turn off the lights, close my eyes, maybe pray, and just think about what's coming next you know although most speakers you know love to fellowship with the ladies between sessions you know she may need to give up, get off her feet and rest her voice in order to you know have that stamina to teach all day if possible, uh, try to let your speaker know the general makeup of her audience. This is so important. For example, uh, when they say in the very beginning, you know, before you've even um, spoken, they, they might say, uh, you know, we've invited ladies from the Catholic Church down the road. Or uh, they might say, you know, several unsaved ladies are going to be tending, attending this event. So, you know, just kind of heads up there. And I can tell you that having this information will help her pray better for the attendees and And it reminds her to spend a little longer on her gospel presentation and um, explain, you know, if she has um, Christianese lingo, uh, some women might not be familiar with that and, you know, things like that.
1: Yeah. And, Amy, I'm thinking about the episodes that we recently released about hospitality and how gifted at hospitality the event planners have been at the conferences I've spoken Mm. at I always try to remind them, I'm here to serve you, not for you to serve me. But they have just really bent over yeah. backwards to treat me like a queen. So if you've got someone who's really gifted at hospitality, put her in charge of your speaker. Um, at a few conferences I've spoken at, the event planner has asked me like if I had any food allergies. And others planning to take me out to eat have asked if there are any cuisines like Indian or Japanese or Italian or whatever. Uh, that I don't like so that they can avoid those particular restaurants. And as someone who tends to forget about little details like this, I've always found that very, very considerate. Yeah. Um, I, I, just marvel at people who are able to remember those little, uh, kind details and, uh, and make sure that, that they're, uh, taking care of, of the person they're supposed to be taking care of. If you're, you know, if you're, if you're taking your speaker out to eat and you forget to ask about her preferences, you can always take her to a general cuisine type of restaurant like Applebee's or Chili's or something like that that serves everything. Or you could suggest a few restaurant options for her to choose from. And although it isn't necessary, obviously, you may also want to provide your speaker with a hostess basket of snacks and small gift items. I know there there are women who just love to put those together, and I think that that must be fun. I'm not very good at doing things like that, but I can just look at the finished product and, and think about how much fun they must have had doing it. And I, when they, when someone gives me one of those, um, when I go speak somewhere, I just always find that so unbelievably kind. Mm-hmm. Um, just a few things to remember, uh, though. Do bear in mind that if your speaker is flying, she might have limited suitcase space to take things home with her. Uh, remember that delicate items can get crushed or broken in her suitcase and that certain items like liquids, Large bottles of lotion and so on aren't allowed through airport security. I I had one um one gift basket that a, a hostess had given me one time that had this large tube of my absolute favorite hand cream in it, and it was oh, too oh no. large to go through security. And I had to just turn it over to him and watch them oh. throw it in the garbage. It just broke my heart. Oh, heartbreaking. <laughs> oh. Oh, you know,
0: there's so many more details we could cover, but we might be here all night if we tried. But it's been so much fun talking about these things. And Michelle and I have seen so many benefits and blessings of local church women's conferences. We would love to come and teach at a conference for your ladies if you'd have us. So if you'd like to have the dynamic duo of doctrine and discernment, oh boy! Uh, but anyway, if you'd like to have us come speak at your next event, uh, just head on over to our website, a word fitly spoken dot life, and uh, click on the tab labeled Speaking. We are available separately, too. I'm uh, based out of Wisconsin, and Michelle is based out of Louisiana. Uh, So if you need someone nearby, you know, we we can do that. But we'd love a chance to do more events together. So give it some thought and drop us a line when you're ready. We cannot wait to hear from you.
1: Yes, please reach out to us. We would love to come and share with the ladies of your church or your organization. But whatever your future event plans are, just know that with plenty of prayer and wisdom and organized planning and good stewardship, it is possible for your church to host a fantastic event that will glorify God and be a blessing to the women of your church and community. We hope to see you soon at an event near you or even at your own church. And until next time, whether it's through a special event or the ordinary means of grace, encourage and disciple the women of your church and walk worthy.